0: Welcome to the Navigating Cloud Choices in Government panel discussion sponsored by QTS. Here's today's moderator, Tom Temin. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guests today are Bill Zielinski, the Deputy Assistant Commissioner for IT Category Management at the General Services Administration. Todd Simpson is Chief Information Officer at the Food and Drug Administration. And Dave McComber is Executive Vice President of Public Sector and Federal Sales at QTS. Gentlemen, great to have you with us today. And I want to begin with with what might be a basic question, but we ask it a lot because the cloud landscape, the cloud adoption models uh, at agencies are always changing. So I guess why don't we start with you, Bill. Uh, GSA has a government-wide view of what's going on with cloud and you're responsible for a lot of it.
1: Where are agencies now that they've gotten email out of the way? So no, Tom, Tom. Thanks for thanks for having us join you today. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I like that you said after they've gotten email out of the way, and and, and I will say that agencies are struggling with that idea of, of how do they really, in a furtive sort of way, uh, adopt cloud technologies. You know, it, it's it's uh, it's one thing to find those kind of freestanding, low hanging, brand new sorts of things to to put in quote unquote the cloud, but when you really start talking about constituting your IT enterprise uh, with a significant portion of it being cloud, it, it, it there's struggling, and, and um, part of those struggles come from kind of an, just an understanding, fundamentally, of what does it mean to move to cloud. Uh, they're struggling with understanding the security requirements and how those translates translate over to a cloud instantiation, uh, the consumption model itself. How do they really pay for cloud, um, uh, given the requirements that we have? So from that perspective, uh, we see folks are kind of all over the place in, in what they're doing. They all have a cloud adoption strategy of some sort, as, as they're required to. Uh, but in terms of where they begin, how they get started, uh, and how they really make that meaningful switch, there's a lot of struggles out there. And so uh, we've, we've kind of jumped in with both feet to set up a Cloud Center of Excellence uh, to where we can really try to help agencies uh, not only match with others who've, who've begun that journey and made progress, but also putting together, if you will, cookbooks or easy buttons that allow them to kind of understand a little bit further and, and get down the road a little bit further.
0: Okay, and Dave, looking at this from your perspective across government, and also you see what industry is doing too, and it's probably safe to say that no new company builds a data center at all whereas legacy companies can't wait to get out of their data centers for cloud.
2: Well, new companies like QTS do build data centers, but I, I want to pick, on, or pick up on something that you said. I think that from a cloud perspective, the easy stuff has already been moved to the cloud, right? The easy stuff and the new stuff has moved to the cloud, but when you look at the federal government, a lot of the IT applications have been there an awful long time, and a lot of them have to be rewritten to be able to take advantage of the cloud, and that is the daunting task I think a lot of these agencies are, are facing. There's a lot of interdependencies between platforms, whether it's the servers, the storage, the OSs, and those types of things. And and simply saying, we're going to take this entire environment that's been protecting the borders or been doing this function or that function and porting it up to AWS sounds easy or AWS or Microsoft sounds easy, but there's a lot of devil in those details. And I think that people have tried to move some things, it hasn't worked, they've had to move them back. So more and more, the word hybrid is being mentioned, right? There's certain things that are gonna be purpose-built and perfect for the cloud, but there's some things that are gonna be, need, remain on-prem. And I think that one of the things that we're starting to see that now is is that On-prem does not necessarily have to be in a government data center. On-prem could also be in a commercial data center because we can provide the same levels of security and, and support and those things that the government is used to. So I think the whole world is changing and I think that when you have a cloud conversation, it's a very deep conversation and you really need to start at what are the goals, what are the objectives, what are the architectures, and really lay out a plan.
0: We're hearing more federal CIOs of large departments say that. That Let's just face the fact that we're going to have hybrid for a long time to come because we do have these legacy applications that we can't migrate. So just a detailed question then, if you are re-hosting say in a commercial data center for, and there are probably a lot of good reasons to do that, versus your own, and it is an old legacy application, What's the f- what is the technical or functional difference between cloud and somebody else's commercial data center for purposes of hosting, say, a, a legacy application?
2: Well, I think that, so when you look at what you're trying to achieve with cloud, right, you're trying to gain efficiencies, you're trying to be able to scale, and ultimately I think you're trying to reduce costs, right? And time and time again, what we're seeing is that the people that do this on a regular basis, like QTS from a commercial perspective, can provide some of those cost advantages that maybe you can't achieve in a federal data center and that sort of thing. So at, 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 the, at the end of the day, if we can provide uh, the same level of support and service, the same level of security, the same level of innovation and application scaling, at a cheaper cost, it's something that I think the federal government is getting more and more comfortable with as budgets get shrunk and, and, and the challenges that you're facing from an overall cost perspective.
0: Okay, and uh, Todd, your FDA is an agency that's going through a lot of change. There's a, in fact, there's a almost reinventing FDA bill that has to be carried out. Congress is changing what FDA is doing. Plus, you've been on a journey to migrate a legacy IT environment to keep up with the 21st century you know, drug and medical device and so on, uh, regulated industry that you serve. So give us your state of affairs
3: right now. So you, you definitely got it right. It has been a transformational journey for the last 24 months. And in the last 24 months, we have uh, had a lot of successes with the cloud. We've stood up a hybrid cloud model, leveraging both the public and private cloud. We've stood up a cloud brokerage service. We have a cloud advisory board. Uh, that, that is on a workflow for any, uh, any piece of software or any system that uh, possibly may be developed, we evaluate it against its cloud readiness, and uh, we're, we're very methodical about it because we, we don't want to get caught in some kind of a trend where we're just putting things in the cloud to be trendy. We want the things in the cloud to be in the cloud to get the biggest bang for the buck. And so uh, this has caused a shift in our entire business model because now we actually have six different cloud service providers um, that are providing platform, software, and infrastructure as a service. And when you look at the platform and software as a service, then you have to start thinking about your microservices from a development standpoint, and it allows you uh, it gives you a lot of um, leverage to basically reinvent yourself from a development standpoint. So instead of just thinking about that on-premise in-house development that you typically would have done, maybe with Java or or some other language, now you have these other these other lines of development that are available to you, like Salesforce and SharePoint and Appian and and many others. And so you have to think. More broadly, in in terms of the types of solutions that are available to you, but you have a lot more um, a, a lot more choices at your at your disposal.
0: Tell us more about the cloud advisory board.
3: Who's on it? I mean, what types of functions are on it, and what do they do? So, my cloud advisory board is headed by my CTO and a small team that that he has put together. It's not a bureaucratic body. It's it's just basically when we're doing our business case on any new development we go through an evaluation process and as part of that business case we just need to make sure that 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 makes sense that the cloud strategy makes sense we haven't had um, we haven't moved our mail to the cloud yet. We're one of those agencies that's still getting ready to, and we're we're going to be doing so it. So you're in an
0: active directory hugger.
3: We are, <laughs> and uh, and we're we're actually getting ready to, to move to Office 216 and um, the the mail um, in the cloud, but not until later this year. We've had a lot more successes uh, with more practical um, cloud type projects like our infant formula tracking system, mm-hmm. and um, and just. Um, just there's been a lot of um, smaller wins that have built a lot of confidence in, in our ability to provide services in the cloud.
0: And also, if you would, tell us about the cloud uh,
3: brokerage service. Is that something within FDA also? Yes. Yeah. So the, the cloud brokerage service um, pretty much sits under what we call the, um, the cloud access security broker. And we have both a security broker and an access broker. It's basically the mechanisms that we use not only to allow in the inlets into the cloud, so our scientists, our customers, can now self-provision and when they're doing their self provisioning they're using that brokerage model to self provision the the security brokerage model is basically watching the traffic that's that's occurring between the cloud and the fda okay good so a uh, pretty sophisticated approach then I, I like to think so it's yeah it works well for us i want to go ahead
2: i was curious um, the prior administration had dcoi and fatara how how impact how important are those initiatives now and going forward with your plans, do they? Are they a, a big part of what you're looking at? In- and doing and also for, from a GSA perspective. I'd like your perspective, too.
3: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So Futara is the vein of my existence. And I work in a federated environment where my centers have budget authority. So I'm bringing standard governance and centralized governance to the FDA so that we don't have multiple venues into the cloud. We, we have to have a technology roadmap. And so those pathways that I described for the microservices, if we don't establish those, EVERYONE WILL BLEED OUT IN MULTIPLE Mm -hmm. DIRECTIONS AND WE'LL JUST HAVE CHAOS. THERE WON'T EVER BE A SUCCESS, YOU KNOW, GETTING EVERYONE ON THE SAME SHEET OF MUSIC. Mm -hmm. SO uh, Fatara HAS BEEN INSTRUMENTAL IN BRINGING THAT GOVERNANCE IN. AND AS FAR AS CONSOLIDATING OUR DATA CENTERS, I AM A BIG FAN OF LEVERAGING THE CLOUD. Mm -hmm. BUT BEFORE YOU CAN LEVERAGE THE CLOUD, YOU HAVE TO HAVE THAT CLOUD brokerage SERVICE MODEL Mm -hmm. IN PLACE Mm -hmm. SO THAT YOU HAVE THAT FOUNDATION SO YOU CAN START Deciding what applications make the, bo- mm-hmm. the most sense there, and, and so on. So, um, I, I haven't closed any data centers at yeah. the um, at the FDA, yeah. but I'm always talking about closing a data yeah. center at the FDA. Yeah, right. And and when we're ready, we'll make the right we'll make the right moves. Yeah, but yeah,
2: scorecards <laughs> last year were pretty popular, right? Yes. I mean, yeah.
1: well, yeah,
2: I, I appreciate before, before we the get
0: there. Yeah, I just yeah. want to ask, interject one yeah. little detail question. And if you do close a data center, think of how. Much you'll ease parking at the FDA yeah. campus. But um, you
3: mentioned a couple of times microservices. Just give us a sense of what those are, and then we'll, then we'll go to Bill. Okay, so the microservices, um, and I, I try to stay vendor agnostic, but I don't know if I can do it when I'm describing. So the Jenkins, the GitHubs, the, the different venues out there for how you would do that agile development. in okay. a,
4: so. All right,
1: good. So, so when,
3: just what I want to start with is just kind of framing out some piece
1: of Vitar. What's interesting is with Vitar in, in December of 2014, it really moved from that idea of data center consolidation, which Todd just hit on, to data center optimization. So I actually think that it did provide some room to to change what the target folks were chasing. And I think that was a good thing, because instead of saying, I need to close and achieve some number, it really allows for folks to take a look at what are we trying to get done here? And that entire approach that Todd talked about in terms of uh, you know who are we, what do we trying to do, how are we going to get there, what are the right things to do, putting governance in place helps them to come to those conclusions and then we'll figure out the approach that gets us there. Mm-hmm. We can optimize that doesn't necessarily mean closure so mm-hmm. I, th- I think that was a good thing. Mm-hmm. I think the danger comes in if, if, with something like Vitaris if you start setting the targets in such a way that it's too prescriptive mm-hmm. then folks don't get that chance to look at it from a from a business perspective. I do want to hit on one thing both of you hit though was was there are a lot of folks from our perspective that we're seeing that are that are saying we're going to move to the cloud and what they really have done is they may have shut down a data center or some piece of a data center and simply re-hosted to a cloud environment. So they've taken their entire application stack, just turned it over to, to, into a cloud environment, but they basically are, are using the cloud service provider like mm-hmm. a data center. Mm-hmm. And, and all of those qualities, the elasticity, the scalability, uh, ability control costs, mm-hmm. those things are all lost. And fortunately, you hear members of, of, Todd, your community saying, you know, we, tr- we tried that and we're not getting the benefits that have been claimed from it. And so you know, what we always try to encourage folks to do is to do that legwork up front, to find those small victories, to start with pilots to learn what from uh, from what others have done mm-hmm. um, before they start to make large-scale changes mm-hmm. because if not they're in danger of simply re-hosting mm-hmm. and buying mm-hmm. the same set of problems yeah. in a different environment and you mentioned too the elasticity and the ability to
0: grow and shrink your workload that's a big quality of cloud that makes it not like a data center where you have fixed pretty much fixed assets that you have to optimize or, or run even if you're not using them or run them at low capacity utilization rates and so f- for cloud providers it, it, how does that idea of elasticity map against single tenancy tenancy that some agencies try to get from a cloud provider because that would seem like if you say well I want a cloud and all the qualities of it but I'm going to have I want to be the only tenant for whatever reason then you've got a data center again.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so and so we do see what that, folks, but I can't remember which of you talked about the sensitivities and, and understanding and knowing which business you're trying to carve out at. look at, right? Um, and, and I think that's going to help drive the requirements for which model that you're going to use and employ. Um, I, I, I do think that what we are seeing from the cloud service providers themselves is a couple of different things. You, you do see the rise of a lot more entities trying to become brokerage services who are saying to you, we'll promise you a set of cloud service providers on the back end, mm-hmm. we'll provide that brokerage to you where we where we can uh, simply uh, kind of you provide those requirements, we help with that. That elasticity is not just for scaling necessarily, but you also have things like business continuity and disaster recovery and your ability to, to, to kind of move and shift mm-hmm. as there are demands in your business or exigencies of business as well. So you see that one with the brokerage model, but what we're also seeing is that those larger cloud service providers um, have gained a a much better understanding of this federal marketplace Mm -hmm. and have begun to look at the idea that well if if you don't want to be mixed in with everybody else with with the non-governmental types within our infrastructure we're going to build out facilities that they're still going to be multi-tenant but they're going to be governmental entities that are that are housed there, and therefore they're going to be uh, subject to the same kind of rules of engagement and, and uh, uh, compliancy rules as well. So you're seeing even, even more models of delivery that are springing up based upon this further understanding of the federal marketplace.
2: Yeah, I do think that, to, to what you were saying before, the elasticity that you're talking about obviously exists within the, the major CSPs and cloud providers, but I also think that, the data centers can provide that as well, right? Because in your FDA data center, you have to cover all the costs of all the people, the entire cost of the entire building, the power for the entire building, whether you're using it or not, right? In a commercial data center provider space, you pay for the power you're using when you use it, you pay for the space you're using, the cooling that you're using, and as you grow, it gets bigger, and as you shrink, it gets smaller. So you you are able to achieve that elasticity that you might not be able to do in one of your own data centers, right?
1: And an aspect that hits us in in the federal space often is is that idea that um, uh, projecting those costs over time, because you have refreshment cycles for your hardware, because you have the ups and downs in your budget, you don't have that predictability from year to year, whereas you go to more of this um, uh, fuller service model, uh, managed service model, you can start to flatten some of those out.
0: All right, that's a good place to take a break on. Our guests today are Todd Simpson, the CIO at the Food and Drug Administration. Dave McComber is Executive Vice President for Public Sector and Federal Sales at QTS. And Bill Zielinski, the Deputy Assistant Commissioner for IT Category Management at the General Services Administration. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. This discussion is Navigating Cloud Choices in Government, sponsored by QTS, here on Federal
4: News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. Complex government mandates. Budget uncertainties. Rapidly evolving IT. Keeping agency missions on pace has never been more challenging. QTS can help. Our hybrid cloud solutions are purpose-built for the federal landscape. FISMA and FedRAMP compliant. JAB approved. Over 60 active ATOs. Learn more about our hybrid government cloud solutions at qtsdatacenters.com federal. QTS. It's where IT is going. Welcome back to our
0: panel discussion, Navigating Cloud Choices in the Government, sponsored by QTS here on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. My guests today are Bill Zielinski, the Deputy Assistant Commissioner for IT Category Management at the General Services Administration, Todd Simpson as the CIO at the FDA, and Dave McComber, Executive Vice President of Public Sector and Federal Sales at QTS. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin, and let's begin a little bit in the second segment with talking about how to buy cloud, because nothing happens till somebody buys something, as the old saying goes, especially for salespeople, understand that, but uh, as FDA goes in deeper and deeper in using your brokerage model and your governance oversight model, what are some of your strategies
3: for acquiring cloud services from specific companies? So I think the key is collaboration. It's collaboration with those companies and collaborating on the inside with the procurement people. And there's a big piece to the security aspect. The, the authorization to operate is, is probably more meaningful to me than the procurement piece because the procurement piece really hasn't been the sticking point for me to move the, the ball down the field. If it makes sense, generally, we're able to find the funding, and we're able to execute. But it has to make sense. And um, it seems that we've had more issues with licensing um, than anything in, uh, in in the cloud. And and that seems to what be what
0: brings that about. Uh,
3: it's it's the predict predicting the the license load. It's um it's um, Sometimes you go in thinking it's one deal, and it's another deal um, at the at the end of it. I don't want to. I don't. I didn't want to say bait and switch, but there is. You have to be very. Uh, you have to watch the wording of the contracts very, very carefully. You have to make sure that the contracts have. Um, the the leverage that you need to be able to exit should you choose to do that or um, to maneuver basically without having to go back and revisit the procurement process later that's the key and and it's in the beginning I think it was a little more difficult to get it right because we were unfamiliar but you know as I said we have six cloud service providers we have over 20 applications in the cloud we're actually developing applications in the cloud now so we're we're beyond foundational we're at probably a two on the maturing level now so procurement I think that we've developed the partnerships we found the pathways we have the cloud, the, the the brokerage service and we have the um, we have the criteria in place to evaluate the the cloud procurements and once it makes sense we we tend to have a team a team approach behind it to make it happen.
0: So it sounds like maybe the issue of virtualization can that can multiply instances and therefore license requirements and costs and you just want to get that established right away before you get deeper into the process.
3: Yeah, and and it, sh- it it also should you know it's the, these are very expensive endeavors too and and as much as everybody wants. To, to um, have the solution, sometimes it's difficult to, to find out who actually owns the solution, who the funding party is going to be, and you know, and and so you know, this this is um, it's a very complex kind of yeah. Heart monitors doesn't want to pay
0: for baby food, right?
2: Yeah, there you go. So when, you're, when you're doing your work and deciding on which cloud. Of the six, right, I mean, a lot of the vendors out there, there's a lot of organizations that do infrastructure as a service. Um, do you typically do a, a, a bake-off, or how do you decide if you're going to put it on platform A, platform B, or platform C from an IIAS perspective?
3: Well, it's it's interesting that you said that because I, I actually only have one infrastructure as a oh, service okay. provider. Got it. And um, they're, they're broken into two subsidiaries, but they are under the same shell. So I have two. BUT IT'S REALLY ONE INFRASTRUCTURE AS A SERVICE PROVIDER AND I HAVE um, THREE PLATFORM AS A SERVICE PROVIDERS AND I HAVE ONE SOFTWARE AS A SERVICE PROVIDER AND SO WHEN I WAS TALKING ABOUT THE microservices Mm -hmm. BEFORE WE REALLY GET INTO THE PLATFORM AS A SERVICE AND THE Mm -hmm. SOFTWARE AS A SERVICE REALLY THAT'S THE KEY Mm -hmm. SO I TRIED TO GET MORE DIVERSITY ON THAT END OF THE BUSINESS THE INFRASTRUCTURE AS A SERVICE IT'S it's IMPORTANT BUT I TREAT THAT MORE AS WAREHOUSING Mm -hmm. uh, YOU KNOW Mm -hmm. SO
1: and in, in, in Dave, to, to that question about the different models that are there, we've seen a few different ones where where. Um, folks have, in essence, created mini competitions. So, if they have multiple infrastructures or service providers that are out there, um, they will they will drop a job, if you will, and say, Hey, what 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 are you willing to do for this? And so they're so they're creating mini competitions to see if they can get best pricing. Yep. You see some models where folks are are simply using this as a as a balancing kind of balancing their risk across multiple providers, taking a look at what are their key operations and ensuring that they have risk um, kind of spread out across. So there's a lot of different models that people employ to make those decisions. When, they, when and where they have multiple cloud service so providers. When you do have an agency that wants to
0: conduct a mini-competition or bake-off among competing suppliers, to me that implies the importance of
1: getting your service level agreement yeah, spelled absolutely. out really carefully so that you have both sides bidding on the same thing. Absolutely. and Kind of following back up on something that Todd said when he, when he said, you know, kind of, you really got to know and understand what you have in your terms and conditions and what's there. The one piece I was going to add to that is line of sight to the information that you need to manage it, mm-hmm. right? So so that idea of, of you know what you're trying to manage too, but if you can't get that information that you need to manage. Mm-hmm. So having those service level agreements that provide you with the kind of information you need to know, you have to make sure that you get that baked in on the front end, lest you find yourself with, with, a, with a commitment for some period of time. Yet you really can't effectively manage it.
2: So one of the things that, that we're seeing um, in our space is when we're talking to an agency about potentially um, bringing in their some of their workloads, it used to be, what kind of connectivity do you have to your data center, right? So how many connectivity providers do you have? What kinds of bandwidth? That sort of thing. Now they're all asking us, Was how quickly can you get me to the big cloud providers, right? Do you have Direct Connect into your data center so that I don't have the latency, that I don't have to pay the bandwidth charges? And that's a, that's a big strategy that I think a lot of the companies in my space are looking at is is, how do I get direct connect mm-hmm. to the two that you need, and how do I get direct connect to the the ones that you need in my data center so that it's it's there when you come in? Because it is going to, in a lot of cases, it is going to be hybrid, right? You're going to have to have some stuff that just isn't going to move, but you want to be able to either over time port it up there, mm-hmm. or be able to very quickly be able to have uh, your environment have easy access to those big cloud providers.
0: So that is from the end user perspective, they're not aware of where things are executing because the pipes are adequate to make it seem as if they're all local.
2: Right, but the pipes now are the big cloud providers, mm-hmm. not, not, not the big. Not the carriers. Telco, not the carriers, exactly. Got it. Right, so it's a, okay. it's a big shift that we're mm-hmm. starting to see in, in terms of the requirements.
0: And, and Bill, FedRAMP is famous in GSA for approving suppliers on, on a certain level of cybersecurity, but it's probably a good point to talk about what else it is in terms of helping agencies
1: acquire cloud services. So absolutely, the the um, one of the things that we have with GSA, of course, is FedRAMP. Where we're providing that certification of the capabilities of those providers to be able to protect and secure um, the services that they're providing. Uh, w- I think one of the challenges that, as we make this move to cloud, is is that it really does fundamentally ch- change that delivery model to where those traditional boundaries that have been drawn in an ATO mm-hmm. don't quite look the same. So, so you know, today's ATO tends to look for I need to be able to draw my line and my boundary around stuff that I could see, feel, and touch. Um, And and, um, part of what FedRAMP is is really looking to do is to be able to assist and help with that idea that you don't have those solid lines in the way that you have before. And so you still have to get to that point where you're providing that security, uh, that assurance of the security that's there, um, giving that assurity to uh, an agency CIO that they can operate in that environment, um, and allowing them to move to that point of signing off on the ATO much more quickly. So as as the FedRAMP program is maturing, uh, they're maturing along with the change in these kind of delivery models that are out there. But again, it, it, is, it is challenging because if you take those overlays that exist today, um, you, you get to some point of saying, well, that, that doesn't kind of apply in a cloud environment. But how do, how do we move towards that signature without that applying? And I, and I do think that one of the big things that we we in government need to do is is, is really um, uh, evolve that ATO process to match the delivery models that are now out there, which is what Todd said was key for him as the ATO, more so than the acquisition process.
0: Yes.
3: So, and uh, you really you hit the, the the nail right on the head with that because it's that ATO process that there is an acceptable amount of risk that you can accept when you're signing an ATO and. Um, And so as long as I think you have the plan to remedy those risks, to mitigate those risks in place, you can actually move forward with some of these cloud endeavors. And for a long time, it was these risks that kind of stifled activity, I think, across the whole federal government. I saw it in two agencies before coming to the FDA. And by the time I got to the FDA, the the FDA populace had had enough of that. They They wanted the cloud, they needed the cloud. To do the work that they do, and um, yeah, you really, um, you really got to the point there.
2: We were just at a uh, dinner with one of the speakers from the IC community, and they were talking about an ATO process that's in a matter of days mm-hmm. versus weeks and sometimes months that it's taking now. So almost a fast pathing of the ATO process internally within the within mm-hmm. the agency, which was pretty exciting to hear.
0: Yeah, Dave, I wanted to ask you too uh, on that point. You're in sales, yeah. of course, so the customer is always right, but we all know that there are some customers that are way better to deal with than others. Some and are more
2: right than others. Right,
0: right <laughs> correct. And so what, what uh, from a federal perspective, what should agencies be doing to make sure that when they're negotiating with cloud people that they, that they, as the agencies, are getting the most out of that relationship?
2: Yeah, I think it comes down down to four things. Um, capabilities of the cloud service provider or the, the hosting company, I think, is, is really important. Um, number two, what we're starting to see is a lot of new entries into the space that don't have federal past performance. And there's a lot of people that are looking at the federal market and licking their chops. But I think that FedRAMP does a good job in kind of weeding out some of those folks because to go through the FedRAMP process, uh, it's it's not a cheap endeavor, right? And t- and to get that stamp. So when I, when I talked to Matt a couple weeks ago, um, they have on their website some price ranges to get the FedRAMP stamp, and it, it's pretty expensive. And that's in part to make sure that these people are serious about staying in the federal game and not jumping in and jumping out. Because once you get in, I mean, you don't want an agency to get all um, uh, excited and on your application, then to have them then go off. So I think it's 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 capabilities, it's federal past performance. I think the next thing is security and compliance. I mean, those are huge things. You, As a cloud service provider and a data center organization, do you have people on staff that can help the agency with their ATOs when they get their audits? Are you going to be there shoulder to shoulder to give them all of the information very easily so that ATO process and the renewal goes mm-hmm. fairly easily is, is extremely important. And then the, the last thing do you provide customer service? Because I think that there's a lot of organizations that can help. There's a systems integrator community. There's resellers and that sort of thing. But what we're seeing is that people are moving data centers from either government or other commercial providers to certain uh, locations. Based on the customer service, I, it shouldn't take me three weeks to get a cross connect. It shouldn't take a service technician four hours to get through security. And those are really important things. As, as how do you treat the agency when they're in your walls, and do you help them make their lives easier? So, those are the kind of the four things I would say. So, Todd,
0: you know, what, what are most important to you in putting, in, in crafting SLAs? Um, so uh,
3: that
4: pretty much mirror what. yeah, I, I, I
3: definitely agree with that, but the the service level agreements are definitely the acceptable use of the service. Um, my the expectations have to be in there. I have to understand the relationship that, um, that I'm going to have. and I have to being completely candid, everything that you just said, those four characteristics, if the the cloud service providers come to me and and they're, they they are strong in those areas. Uh, they 're probably going to have a pretty good chance of doing business with us and and the first step in doing business is of course getting uh, them on that technology roadmap and and you know and, and making sure that they fit in because not every cloud service provider that 's offering software as a service actually fits in our technology roadmap. There are lots of different flavors out there and and when you're trying to standardize an environment, you can actually use a mechanism like the cloud to do rapid standardization. When you put those lines of service in, if if you've got you know um, you know one flavor that you're going to develop in, and you're looking at a, um, 15 end of life applications, well, what are you going to do? You're going to redevelop them in that standard, and you so you kill two birds with one stone. You so get it the sounds cloud. like
0: you do a pretty in depth analysis of the specific technologies in a provider's centers.
3: We have to, and um, we're on the the precipice of this digital transformation, and we've done a a ton of work to to build trust in the FDA community that we can be good stewards of their business. We automated the inspection process, and we've got over 20,000 automated inspections to date through our new automated inspection process. We're automating our auditing process. We've automated the electronic exchange between Customs Border Patrol and the FDA. These things build the trust that I think um, is needed to, to take that next step. So interesting, Dave. Comment. I mean, do, do well, customers? It's do you let them in just yeah, take a look I at mean, what you got in, under the under the, the hood?
2: There? The interagency dependencies is is pretty important, right? And I think that as agencies make some of these big moves, like whether they have to, based on a uh, an OMB mandate or something like that, close mm-hmm. a data center, um, the 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 connections to your organization and others are pretty important to understand, right? And I think that as you start to look at it, it's, it's not merely just lifting and shifting from one place to the other, because you're going to break a lot of mm-hmm. stuff on the way, right? And, and you may break a lot of stuff within that agency, but then the interagency dependencies is pretty important to understand as well. And so when you look at some of the horizons and timelines that – so if, if agency XYZ has to be out by 2020 – it's 2017, you you better have a pretty good idea of where you're going and what you're doing because that calendar is going to be chewed up pretty quickly with, with all of this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. So Bill, I guess that gives rise to the question, is the technology uh, pathway or roadmap of the cloud providers in that community, that must matter to any agency that's thinking of moving with particular provider.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and so, so one of the things that we do at GSA and what we offer to agencies, and, I, and I'll tell you, just being here on the panel with Todd, he's the kind of person that I won't hesitate in the near future to say, hey, I was contacted by an agency, would you give us 30 minutes because they're experiencing something similar. So, so we have that experience of, of of knowing well what's going on across the federal space. Um, we certainly um, are interacting with the providers of these services and keeping track of where they are in, in, in kind of their technology roadmaps because it's vitally important to the, to the customers that we serve. So one of the things that we can do is offer that assistance and a lot of the kind of the market research and in deep back-end research, we can provide a head start for any agency who's, who's earlier in that path than, say, Todd and folks are there at FDA. All right. Just going to take, we'll take a break on that note. A good place to break here.
0: My guests today are Bill Zielinski, the Deputy Assistant Commissioner for IT Category Management at the General Services Administration. Todd Simpson is the Chief Information Officer at the Food and Drug Administration. Dave McComber. Executive Vice President of Public Sector and Federal at QTS. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. This panel discussion is Navigating Cloud Choices in Government, sponsored by QTS, here on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and
4: federalnewsradio.com. Complex government mandates, budget uncertainties, rapidly evolving IT. Keeping agency missions on pace has never been more challenging. QTS can help. Our hybrid cloud solutions are purpose-built for the federal landscape. FISma and FedRamp compliant Jab approved over 60 active atos learn more about our hybrid government cloud solutions at qtsdatacenters.com slash federal QTS it's where IT is going. Welcome back to our panel discussion, Navigating Cloud Choices in the Federal Government,
0: sponsored by QTS on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. Our guests today are Dave McComber, the Executive Vice President of Public Sector and Federal at QTS, Todd Simpson is the Chief Information Officer at the Food and Drug Administration, and Bill Zielinski is the Deputy Assistant Commissioner for IT Category Management at the General Services Administration, I am your moderator Tom Temen and let's talk about something that is really important to the federal government in all of the IT activities investments being made and that is really two things but they're kind of both halves of the same uh, piece. One is modernization of legacy IT which we've discussed briefly in the beginning of the webinar <laughs> but also and, and going along with that is lowering the operations and maintenance costs for legacy systems that starve money that agencies would otherwise have for new innovative types of things. Bill, I I think that's implied the ability to change that ratio in all of the cloud activity, but maybe Tell us what the latest thinking is and how that's working here yeah, in 2017. Yeah, sure,
1: absolutely. The you know the the one part ha- having worked closely with uh, the prior federal CIO Tony Scott a- as they formulated their plans in and around modernization. The uh, w- one of the things we're really looking for here, and we've touched on it earlier, is is that when we talk about modernization, this again, this is not just swapping out the underlying technology and simply rehosting or moving, but it really is fundamentally looking in a very different sort of way at how you architect. Design, build, and move forward with your uh, move forward with your IT enterprise. Todd talked about this idea of a, of a technology roadmap and knowing and understanding kind of where you're going yourselves with technology, but that's being informed by what's a happening in the broader market itself. So, so one of the things that that we really have to look at is as we're making that move and that shift, we really are looking at the entire application stack and what the and, and what the ramifications for are. That because if you're not making that change. Um, to your overall application stack, then you really are just buying a different version of the same problem here. So I think from that modernization perspective, you're really looking to take advantage of what cloud can do for you so that when you go through that next cycle, the next major changes in what you're doing, uh, from a technology standpoint, you're not buying off the entire thing that we're looking at with a set of legacy systems today where you're having to look at your entire technology stack. You're really able to modernize in a, in a much more agile sort of way. And, and, I th- and I think that that's the important key for folks is, is looking at how they design an architect in this period of modernization that we're in now.
0: Yeah, Todd, because you mentioned the whole idea of digital services yes. is where you need to go, and that doesn't always go hand in hand with legacy COBOL applications.
3: So I think that um, from a digital um, mo- digital transformation standpoint, it becomes um, it becomes very complex when you have lots of different customers wanting to reinvent themselves in um, in their own areas because they're trying to accomplish some kind of mission critical um, mission critical uh, activity, mm-hmm. and. Um, and so um, I think the challenge really becomes just bringing everyone together and getting everyone on the same sheet of music and, and pointed in the same direction from a modernization standpoint. But I think it all starts at the business processes. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you start at the business processes, you, you um, get rid of a lot of that other stuff, and you can kind of figure out where your best path is.
2: I got a question. So, so those are big, complex, type situations, application by application, it it seems to me, do do you folks have the resources within the FDA and GSA and the agencies to do it yourself, or is this where systems integrators really can come in and help you guys and partners and that sort of thing?
3: Well, I think it's a combination of both. We need system integrators to come in, but we have to take on some of this mess ourselves right. because we created this mess and it really goes to that interoperability and system duplication issue. We have to know what we have out there. We have to know what our high value assets are. We have to know what what data is moderate, what data is low and what data is, is high. And, and You have to break all that down and then you have to run it through that criteria is this a good candidate for the cloud is this something that could reduce o if we give self provisioning a try here mm-hmm. or can we save more money by signing this contract to move the the work into the cloud and then we can stop signing this contract for the the on-site support mm-hmm. and so there's but there's indirect costs associated with every one of those decisions mm-hmm. so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna task my procurement people Either way, mm-hmm. so I can't tell my procurement people by going to the cloud there's going to be less work because they know that it, there's going to be, it's just going to be a different kind of work. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I think that if you evaluate that on-premise and you really look at it, you'll find, you'll find um, the sweet spot mm-hmm. in every one of those mm-hmm. cases. It gets more challenging when you look at that global picture, mm-hmm. looking at one application at a time is not a problem. Looking at the duplicative applications, Mm -hmm. that's not a problem. It's that transformation Mm -hmm. that gets complex.
1: So, so, Dave, to that question about uh, do agencies have that expertise resident, uh, that kind of the, the bandwidth, there is there is no one template for what sure. we see in agencies. Agencies really come in in many different places, mm-hmm. and, and uh, so with GSA, for example, um, we have our technology trans- mm-hmm. transformation service, which has 18 f Often they can engage with an agency to help them even gather their thinking about how to move forward and what it even means to make a digital transformation, whereas we have some agencies who come to us who really have a clear picture and a clear roadmap of where they need to be and how they're going to get there. And what they're looking for is more of that direct connection and faster connection to the, uh, to the suppliers who can provide them with those types of services. So, so really throughout our service offerings, we really try to make sure that we're able to support any agency depending upon where they're coming in. Um, but, but often um, we, all, we, we always try to make sure that, just as Todd was saying, is that they have that clear thinking in and around their strategy for how they're going to move forward.
2: So one of the things that we, we see in our space is that there's a lot of players out there who are really power ping pipe. Tell me how many, and I can give you a quote and that sort of thing, but what we're starting to see and where we're trying to move to is this solutions approach where you can bring together the the various forms of cloud, whether it's whether it's a, a public multi-tenant, whether it's a private cloud, whether it's simple co-location, but also bringing to the table the architectural skills and those types of things to sit down with your mm-hmm. folks and basically okay this is your the way your application is written let's figure out this together let's throw up a proof of concept or something like that it's a it's a much different way to approach mm-hmm. the space from companies like myself and I think that that's something as you guys try to evaluate, it's, it's something you really need and, to ask
1: and, and, and Dave, I, that's, that's exactly how we're viewing it. Again, yeah. you may have somebody who comes in and they're just looking to fill out the pieces in right. their overall puzzle and in that way it's much more commoditized yeah. that they're looking to procure these different services, mm-hmm. but more often than not what folks are looking for is not to fi- have to figure out for themselves how to kludge together an right. overall solution, but that assistance in really saying how do we get to an elegant overall mm-hmm. solution. Mm -hmm. that allows us to carry out and execute on our plan Mm -hmm. as opposed to to buying the commodity pieces. Yeah, let me try to make this a little more specific. Some commercial industries
0: that have big legacy systems, retail and so on, the way they have approached digital services is to extract the data that is tied to those legacy applications, which is a, you know a technical feat in itself because in the old model you know the databases and the applications you know are all tied together you know, within a mainframe type of system. but if you can get the data out, then you can do all kinds of things uh, in, in a front end for customers, and the customers aren't really hitting your mainframes and your legacy applications they're hitting something you have deployed in a cloud, I would think. Mm-hmm. And then, then there's a synchronization that happens in the back end that's not anything to do with the public, everything to do with your data center, and the cloud is kind of the broker, if you will, between that new front end with digital services and the legacy in the back is that
1: a viable model for government and sh- is what they're doing now. Yeah, and, and, and we've seen that happen. I'm, I'm going to go back to what Todd said about his advisory board. I, I think that that's exactly the kind of question his advisory board would likely try to tackle is what's the best approach to getting us to this endpoint. On the other hand, I've, I've, I've heard Renee Wynn, the CIO at NASA, talk about you know we have systems that are COBOL-based systems that are out there, been around for decades and for years, and honestly she said that she's not going to invest the time, money, and resources to modernize those because they have a natural end of life. Mm-hmm. It's stuff floating around in space. We know what its mission is. We know when it's going to end. There's, there's no reason to expend the energies in modernizing it. So I think it's, it's not necessarily one-size-fits-all, but having, having the, the sounding board or the ability to say for each of these and from that more global perspective, how do we want to approach this? But what you've described is a very common approach. Are we seeing it in the federal government, though? Yeah, absolutely.
3: Okay we're definitely seeing that in the federal government <laughs> what you just described it's actually it's it is the paradigm shift that's occurring we're moving from these traditional data warehouses where you needed a schema going in you mentioned the databases and you needed to know that structure and we don't care anymore big data is very different mm-hmm. and um, and so you you were spot on I just want to say that I agree with you <laughs> I just wanted to
2: make sure yeah, so um, some of the, some of the big cloud providers they 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 recognize and 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 we companies like myself we not only work with the agencies, but we also work with the major cloud providers as well, right? So one of the things that they're very interested in is the, the stuff that you're saying is is the front end, mm-hmm. right? They've got that, right. right? They want to get that access to the the mainframe stuff, right? And they're trying to figure out how to mm-hmm. go after that. And I think it also comes down to is is the the, the, the type of data that they're also interested in going after. Right. I think that from unclassified workloads, pretty easy to put up in the cloud, that sort of thing. It's it's how do we move to the classified workloads and how do we how do we modernize and how do we gain all the efficiencies that cloud can provide when you're dealing in the classified space is I think the next frontier that Companies like myself and I'm sure agencies like yours are are very interesting to try to solve those riddles.
0: Well, I would say even before classified, there's a much larger body which agencies are struggling with, and that is controlled, unclassified information, which FDA has in in probably petabytes worth, and many, many agencies do. It's not for public consumption, uh, but it's also not classified, but it's very large volumes, and agencies are struggling how to classify it in the first place, I say classify, that it's put what classification should be on it. Uh, But that CUI is a big area, and I think FedRAMP might be headed that direction. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and, and they are headed in that direction because this is a struggle for agencies because not only all those characteristics that you just mentioned, but that information is the is the engine for driving their mission critical systems and their mission critical operations, and so there is that hesitancy of, of letting it go someplace that is not within a facility, and and I and I do think um, until we until we really tackle that, I think in some ways uh, industry is is starting to meet us halfway there, and the idea that a lot of these cloud service providers are recognizing that. Um, Uh, we we may be willing to move to a multi-tenant environment, but for the fact we don't want those other tenants to not be subject to the same kind of controls and the same kinds of conditions that we are, and so they have moved to having facilities available that are government-only, where they can get that FedRAMP certification, they can get that at that FedRAMP, not just that FedRAMP moderate, but that FedRAMP high as well, so that option is there for agencies. So I think industry moving in that direction, as well as the the maturity of, uh, uh, kind of the advanced maturity of agencies, and knowing and understanding how to protect it, and um, moving it into that environment, and also being able to move it back out of that environment. Yeah,
2: I think the other place that industry can can help the federal government is is for the agencies that have Oconus needs, mm-hmm. right? So um, that's a huge untapped um, area that while you might be able to hit the government-focused clouds here in the U.S., if you're trying to hit some of these clouds from Europe, the latency is going to kill you, right? So how do you handle Mm -hmm. forward deployed, whether it's for the DOD or for Department of State or some of these agencies that are all over the world, how do you handle some of those unique requirements? And I think that as, as as these agencies are making these decisions, US is easy. We can solve that. Mm-hmm. But it's when we start to go outside the borders that things get a little trickier. But do you really want to run two email systems right, if you're the DOD, right? I mean, how do, you can handle CONUS. Right. How do you handle OCONUS? And I think that that's where industry can provide a lot of value. Right?
0: Yeah, it's little known that FDA has inspectors all over the world. Yes. And more now than there were years ago. So what do you do for them, the
3: mobile people, if you you will? Well, security certainly becomes a a challenge um, when abroad, uh, when they're abroad. And we've actually implemented some really sophisticated solutions lately to make our inspectors in China and other countries Um, more secure but we haven't really leveraged the cloud very much in those solutions most of those solutions were very tactical you know um, how do we get equipment in and out of the embassies how do we you know get these these people um, working and get their data back to us safely and securely Um, so I haven't had a lot of cloud successes on on um, on that level
0: we'll have to take that to the board and you know see what they say for the next round and another question while we have time left I wanted to explore was Uh, mobility because that's a big issue for everybody including federal agencies as both the constituents come at federal agencies with mobile devices. I think the tipping point has occurred for government where there's more hits to websites and transactions from mobile devices now than through desktop devices. I think it already happened for the rest of the world and so mobility is big and for federal users themselves. Uh, Mobility is, everybody's got three devices nowadays And so how does the cloud mitigate the issues of mobility management and data control and all of those good things?
1: So what I'll, what I'll say is is, is I, I think we could even broaden the aperture on that a little bit more and, and talk about the nature of end user computing and what's the form factor that are in use and I and I do think that as and we really move architecture yeah, if you will. As, as we move more into this as a service world you're, you're seeing more and more that what agencies are looking for is not necessarily to define very narrowly and make a commodity buy of a, a particular technology but that idea that they are that they are looking for an end user computing platforms. Um, that are fully managed uh, by providers, where they have those options to be able to evolve those over time, and includes mobility because of that recognition that they either have a, a workforce that is out there in the field, if you will, or that that or that the design is going, ch- the business design is going to change over time. So I think, so I think in one way, it's just that the thinking is evolving, and it's including kind of the end user computing device kind of in that overall delivery of service, not necessarily as a, as a separate entity. Um, we actually do have uh, there's a government wide. Uh, mobile services uh, category team that's that's actively looking at kind of the future of mobility, um, looking at things like derived credentials. Um, you know, you, you, you can't have a mobile device with a big add-on to put your PIV card in it. So they're looking at tackling a lot of those things that start to become a complicator for that. And but it's kind I, of cloud naturals, yeah, for correct, derived correct. credentials, for example. So I so, so I I think I think part and parcel to that are going to be cloud-based solutions to help in solving that, that overall, um, you know, where are we moving with end-to-end user computing and and kind of the form factor that folks use.
2: I I think that from from our perspective, from industry, mobility, and the next one is IoT, are going to be the two things that really drive our uh, demand in our space. Um, When you look at Northern Virginia, the center of the data center world, 46 new sites coming up. The last 100 megawatts that was put in, into Ashburn was for phones, right? The next 300 is gonna be for IoT. And I think as the federal government starts sure. to look at IoT and how you handle when a piece part in a federal government needs to talk back to a federally compliant data center, These are the types of challenges that we're going to get into very, very quickly.
0: And we'll have to get to those another day. Great questions. I want to thank today's guest today. Bill Zielinski is the Deputy Assistant Commissioner for IT Category Management at the General Services Administration. Todd Simpson is the Chief Information Officer at the Food and Drug Administration. And Dave McComber is the Executive Vice President of the Public Sector and Federal at QTS. I'm Tom Temin, Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. For more on this discussion, please visit federalnewsradio.com keyword QTS. Thank you for listening to the Navigating Cloud Choices and Government Panel sponsored by QTS on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com.
2: The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsradio.com. Search QTS.